Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn over to Titus, please. Book of Titus in chapter number one. Titus chapter number one. And we're going to continue looking at uh, the church and had a good hope meeting, praise the Lord. And uh, they got a good crowd over at Kids of Palooza. Uh, they're over 30, so that's a big blessing, for the, especially for the first night. It's really exciting. So, uh, But uh, do pray for them and that ministry over there. And uh, just pray for the Lord to bless. So, um, We've spoken so far what a church is. And a church is an assembly of baptized believers organized to carry out the Lord's work. Um, a church has to be local, visible. It is an assembly. Uh, we then spoke of church government, and uh, that is the congregational administration of Christ's laws by the church, acting under pastoral leadership. And we try to describe what proper church government was. And uh, that brings us to the officers of the church, which will only do the pastor tonight. Um, I'm just confident we're not going to get any further. Uh, but in Titus um, chapter 1 and in verse number 5, the Bible says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, ordaining elders in every city as I had appointed thee. One thing that is essential for order, and a church must be organized, it must have order, but one thing that is essential for order is leadership and uh, pastoral leadership. And um, that's Paul left uh, Timothy to help uh, the, the elders and Titus here to ordain elders. And, and uh, because the work, we kind of mentioned it last week in the congregational and the government, but uh, one essential for order is leadership. And it is... One of my greatest privileges to be your pastor. And I try to say that often. I love our church. And uh, I love you. And I'm very thankful for all that God's done uh, and is doing at our church. Um, we grow as people. We grow as pastors. We grow as a church. Um, when I was youth pastor, um, my dad was pastor, we had... Uh, got quite a crowd in our youth group um, it was very common to run 50 someday highs of 70 one time we had century Sunday and we had a hundred teenagers uh, we worked hard for that but we had it and um, and we got a lot of good memories with a lot of different things we did with the teens but um, realized there towards the end of me working with the teens that uh, a lot of what we were doing was um, shallow. Um, we were entertaining these kids and doing a fantastic job at it. Um, not me, it was like the whole church was. We did, we had activities, we had afterglows, we had all kinds of things constantly. Um, had activity every month, a big one, and a Sunday night thing every month, along with all the other things we did. And um, it was pretty, pretty daunting. But, uh, and I've shared this with others, um, I had the heart of the majority of those teenagers, and I do not say that in any way glad for that. Looking back, that was wrong, because the parents are to have their heart, 
And I'll never forget, it kind of woke me up. At a, we had a couple's retreat, and one of the dads, one of my teenagers, was testifying. And he said this quote, and he stared at me, which really kind of made me intimidated. And I was like, oof. And, uh, but he stared at me, and he said, I can barely get my son to do anything, but he'd swim the Atlantic for Brother Travis. And, um, and at first I was like, yeah. Then I was like, that's probably not good. Uh, you know, and I began to reevaluate a lot of things. And um, I think it was a lot like the parable of the sower. Seed was all good, but if there's a lot of stones and a lot of thistles and weeds, and there can't be a deep growth there, which is why these great numbers, a great majority, didn't stick. And most of them walked away. Praise the Lord for those that didn't. But a lot of them walked away. And, um, and I realized that the Great Commission is not just evangelism. It is also discipling and building up. So we changed a lot. We started, we geared to have more of a relationship, pushing with the parents and families and a, and a relationship with the Lord. And uh, the change has been great. No complaints. Um, the great majority of those who uh, graduate, they are still in church serving the Lord. And thank the Lord for that. Um, the numbers are not what they used to be. But why have 50 and have two stay in church? If we can teach and build a stronger relationship and have 20 and have 18, 19 stay in church. And I'm not for we're going to keep trying to reach. But then that mentality I carried, that change uh, brought into pastorate too. We could have all kinds of functions and I could have a homecoming day, and we'd probably have 300 people. And, um, but P, numbers are great, but that's not the goal. It's about building relationships with the Lord and families getting stronger and building our knowledge of the Word of God so that we can go do the work of God. And um, so there's a big difference there, and, I, and the Lord began to really work in my, my heart, my life, and, and, uh, and we've seen, you know, the church, God has blessed it, um, and we've uh, seen a lot of great things, and we got a lot of people spread out tonight, I know, I know that, but that's because the ministry's growing, and, and be able to see the churches that have been started and are being started, and the outreach, and the bus, and the kids, and junior church, and Sunday school, and nursing home, and shut-ins and the school and our missionaries and um, you know we could go on and on and on and on and uh, and, I, and I'm I'm preaching tonight I told brother Matthew I told him today he stopped in the office for a little bit and I told him what you know pray for me the sermon tonight because it's always this is the the kind of sermon tonight that would be just a fun thrill to preach everywhere except here <laughs> because you know I told Matthew it's like I'm talking about myself uh, which I don't enjoy all right um, but it's necessary that we understand we can't talk about church doctrine and not talk about the pastor and so um, when I say these things I just want you to know 
there's zero pride, there's zero, you know, patting on the back. Matter of fact, it's a very humbling message when you when you look at it. And um, but uh, but at the same time, I'm going to say what scripturally needs to be said, right? So when I say later on that a church needs to, you know, pray for the pastor and meet the needs of the pastor, it isn't because that's not being done, but it's because that's what scripturally we are to do. And I want us to always be that way as a church. And uh, so having laid that out, and we're all on the same page here, all right, uh, there are two scriptural offices, and that is a pastor and a deacon. Both of them are servant leaders, and uh, both of them are necessary um, when, when pastor for sure and deacons when those needs are there. And I'm going to say something about that here in just a second. Um, but um, pastors nor deacons, which we don't have one at the moment, but they're not perfect. I wish I could say I was um, not. Uh, pastors make mistakes, um, just like you. <laughs> uh, pastors have flesh, just like you, and I'm the first person to admit it. Um, but a pastor is to be holy. A pastor is to have a faith that the church can follow. And um, so I'm going I'm to be extremely transparent here for the next 10 minutes. Y'all good for that? Y'all good? Amen, all right? Um, I want you to turn over real quick to Acts chapter number 6, all right? Acts chapter number 6. And there's a selection here of men to serve and help and serve tables. And, but in Acts chapter number 6... Now, pastors to lead, um, to serve people, to do his best to meet the people's needs, uh, to be an encourager, a teacher, uh, a help, and um, he loves his people. And the pastor watches out for his people, and we'll talk about all these things. But in Acts chapter 6, verse number 1, In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who may appoint over this business. We'll probably look at this next Thursday uh, about the election here and things. But, um, but there is a problem. And the pastors realized that they were at a point where and uh, they had... 12 of them, uh, that there was at a point where uh, there was a problem, and they knew it. And um, in verse number one, I hope you can see this, if there's one word that showed the pastors that there was a problem, you may want to guess what that one word is. Yeah. When they heard the murmuring, they realized there was an issue. And um, here's a transparent moment, right? There's some murmurings with our shut-ins. And there are some murmurings with some church members. And there's murmuring with our missionaries that we send out. I don't think they're evil. I don't think they're sinning. They have needs. And some are feeling they're not being met. And been praying about that a lot. But when that case came, the 
pastor said, we need some help. And they responded in getting some help. Um, again, do not misunderstand. I didn't say anybody was wrong. Right? The church members of Shut In, the missionary, they're not wrong. They're just, the, I don't think the widows were wrong. They needed help. They needed some encouragement. They needed some, some more visits. And, um, and so we're there. We are there. And so, you know, we, we have a, a big ministry. And um, praise the Lord for that. And, um, and a big ministry takes a lot of leadership. <laughs> and uh, hands are involved in pretty much everything in some way and overseeing it in some way. And, and um, so, you know, I woke up this morning at 745 to a text that if you, there has been someone who's been calling other people and complaining uh, about me. That uh, that I wasn't here Sunday, and um, so I tried to explain that earlier. And all I'm saying is, I thought I went over that, and if that has offended someone, very sorry. Um, but I, at the same time, I know I was doing what God wanted me to do, and I know that, you know, this is where my heart is, and matter of fact, I'm going to these places, like the church I just left on Sunday, the last word that was said, the missionary, the pastor got up and said these words, he said, Brother Burke has five missionaries sent out of his church, Brother Burke, you send them to us, we would love to support people like that, that was exciting, you know, it was a wonderful thing, and they already support Brother Sean, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, as our church ministry grows, some of these things are necessary, um, and um, it's all part of the work. And uh, so, I hope you're glad to know that I'll be here for quite a while. I'm not going any Amen. preaching out and stuff. But at the same time, it's not fair that you get upset when I'm doing what God tells me to do too. Right. So, Amen. so, and if you hear that person say something and they call you, tell them to call me. If you quit taking their phone calls, they'd probably quit talking. Amen. You say, you're mean. I'm, I'm the pastor of the church, and this is what I'm supposed to do, right? <laughs> it's helped to avoid these things. And um, But with all criticism, I'm going to take it and pray about it and do what I believe is right to do to the best of my ability. Uh, but we have this task, and sometimes we need some help. And I'm not introducing that, you know, we need to get in. It's, it's, it's a reorganizing um, and may need. I had people who uh, were visiting our shut-ins every week that no longer can do that, and and, um, and they were laymen in the church. And so I want to call out if anybody in the church would like to visit shut-ins during the week, it would be a huge blessing. Um, you know, uh, other visits or things like that, um, just let me know. So my transparency, that'd be good. We still love each other and we're all in the deep breath, and let's go forward, all right, uh, you know, but uh, we have a task as a church, and it's the greatest task in the world, the Great Commission, and, um, and everything we do and every ministry we have is to try to 
complete that. And, um, you know, I'm trying to train people to take certain things and nursing home where the price is taken Tuesdays. And, um, you know, someone asked me, you just don't like Loveland. I love Loveland. That's where we started. I just can't do everything. And Brother Price is doing a fine job there. And uh, uh, Brother Matthew's been going with me for quite a while in the other two nursing homes. And, and um, you know, that's four services. And, uh, and he's, he's learning. And, and I'm thankful he's able to fill in, and he does a fine job when he does that. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, so what do you do? It's a good question, right? What do you do? Um, you know, there's visitation. There's all the shut-ins and um, nursing homes and, and buses, finances, um, kids' ministries, camp has been a big demand this week, uh, school, um, cleaning bathrooms, um, making sure the decorations are right and that we have writing utensils for ordering cups, which I had to do this week, brochures, and making a bulletin every week, and prayer sheets, and talking to Brother Tyler about what all to talk about tonight. Um, you know, accountability to all of our missionaries we support, and keeping a relationship with them, and making sure we have the right Duke provider, and energy provider, and uh, and making sure the grass is cut every week, and making sure the lights are fixed, and the counseling is done, and answering the phone, and emails, and getting fireworks, and napkins, and and um, could go on and on and on and on and on and on. But bottom line is this, pastors do a lot. Uh, it's always a joke. You know, you only work three hours a week. That would be fantastic. Um, but it's just not true. And, um, you know, my dad used to always say, you know, uh, he, he candidated a few churches. And, and uh, they, they'd always say this question. They'd say, uh, what do you expect to be paid, you know, per hour or salary? And my dad always say, you don't want to pay me per hour. And, uh, and he made it a joke, as only my dad can do. But um, you, you don't stop. I mean, you just you don't ever stop. Even when you're on vacation, you don't stop. I'm still, I'll look at my wife and be like, I'm going to check on so-and-so, or I'm going to send a text and see how they're doing. Or, you know, sometimes she's like, can't you stop, right? And, um, and so then I'm like, yes, ma'am, and uh, put it away. Um, but it's never off your mind. You, uh, you go to bed thinking about right. and then you wake up at 3 in the morning and you right. think about it and uh, you get up in the morning and you you pray about it and, um, and, I, and I say all that again because I'm, just, I'm preaching this as if I'm telling a, a church this is what your pastor does right um Zero ways am I saying, oh, poor Brother Burke, right? No, right? That's what every pastor does, right? Or at least every pastor should do. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, you know, it, it's, it's, it's your life. It, it's, it's what you're called to do. And, and, um, and there's a balance there that you, you need to do all these things. But you can't come across as being too busy because then people feel like they can't ask you to do things. And, so then you're just like, well, maybe I'll quit doing other things, but then those things aren't getting done, and so it's just it's a vicious circle that I'm not sure anyone has properly figured out yet, um, other than just do our best, which is all you can do, right? And uh, so 
I say all that to say, pray for your pastor. Uh, pray for wisdom and instruction and direction from the Lord, and uh, and that uh, can just do what's right. Um, so let's talk about the pastor real quick, and uh, this would be great. Uh, number one, let's talk about the names of a pastor. In Titus, uh, chapter number one, turn here real quick. Now we're going to use our Bible a lot because I want you to know, I'm just trying to share what the Bible says. And um, But Titus chapter one, verse number five, says this, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordaining elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Verse seven, for a bishop must be blameless, a steward of God, and it goes on. Um, the first name that I want to point out here is, for a pastor, is the title bishop. Uh, the Bible uses that term. Um, the next one we'll talk about is elder, but we'll get to it in a second. We don't usually use the term bishop and elder because they're usually associated with, like, bad denominations and right. wrong teaching, right? Uh, but I thoroughly, personally, love the title Bishop Burke. I just think it sounds cool. Uh, but... Uh, but uh, it is a biblical name, all right? And the name bishop is because it represents the duty of a pastor, which is to be an overseer, to watch over things, um, to make sure things are done and done correctly. And in every ministry, from our soul winning last night uh, that we went out, and I want to thank the Lord for everybody that came out to soul winning last night. Uh, that was a blessing. And then I want to challenge those who could have and just didn't. You ought to come out. Uh, because, you know, it's like a command from God. Uh, you know, so it's good to come, you don't. I mean, that's the truth, right? Amen? Uh, you know, so, uh, but, but come if you can. I, and again, I always say this, because at a Baptist temple, you can't do everything, right? Uh, there's no possible way, and I'm first to say that. But if you can, you ought to try to come. And uh, if you're scared what to say, you don't say a thing, we'll put you with someone that loves to talk. Uh, last night, I was with Eli, and uh, we knocked on some doors last night. Is Eli in here? He's, oh, how you doing, man? Uh, yeah, and uh, so he's, he's writing down notes, and I, I sit here. It's hard to write on a paper. I gave him my Bible to be able to hold. If I needed it, I'd get it from him, but he was able to write down the address and what happened. And He's the secretary, and we're, we're knocking on doors together. This guy comes out from who, someone we'd already visited. He goes, come here. I thought we were about to get yelled at. So me and Eli go over there, and he hugs us, and he said, he's like all choked up. He's just like, young man, to see a young man carrying his Bible is such a testimony. And Eli's like, yes, sir. <laughs> it's like, that's my Bible, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, but, you know, but uh, no, we had a great time and uh, had three decent prospects I'm really excited about, uh, but someone has to oversee that, which, I, you know, I went out Wednesday and, you know, went found territory, I coordinated with Brother Elam about tracks, and, right. and uh, then I sent the location to Brother Ricky, and, and uh, talked about, you know, dividing, and what his responsibilities would be, and, and talked to Brother Price about making sure the bus was ready to go, and had gas in it, and Brother Matthew to sweep out the bus so it's not dirty when we get on, and, and um, you know, it's just, you think, well, we're just going visiting. There's a lot in everything, and, uh, you know, and it's just some things you don't, necessarily think about, but uh, until something isn't right, and you're like, Pastor, the bus was dirty. You know, it's like, I've cleaned it every week. You know, uh, but, uh, you know, we, it's an overseer, and you have to oversee all the ministries. That's what a bishop does. He oversees the services and things. Another term is the word elder, all right? Uh, the word elder. We're in uh, uh, Titus 1, verse number 5. It says that they are wanting and ordained elders, which then the term bishop is used uh, in, in the same way. Look over in First Peter, a few pages to the right, in chapter number 
uh, 5, I believe, 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 1. It says this, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. So an elder. Uh, the word elder, uh, bishop, has to do with his duty and being an overseer. Elder is a term that has to do with the dignity uh, and that he is to be seen as a ruler. Um, again, not a lord over God's heritage, not a dictator, but they are to be recognized as an authority, um, an elder, and respected with, in reverence, just like we would teach you know, everybody to respect your authorities. A pastor should be respected in that same way. And so there's bishop, there's elder, and then another term is pastor. Uh, the word pastor, uh, we, it's, it, it's kind of synonymous with shepherd uh, and that whole idea. Uh, but in, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verse number 2, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, not as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And the word pastor or shepherd has to do with his design and what he does. Um, that's why we use that term. We use the term pastor in our churches mostly because, uh, again, bishop and elder is kind of a, associated with the wrong teaching and wrong denomination. But there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, it is a biblical term. Uh, but those are the names that you find in the Bible for a pastor. But then what's the purpose of a pastor? In Ephesians chapter number 4, turn back a few pages. Ephesians chapter number 4, what's the purpose of a pastor? And the purpose of a pastor in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11, says, And he gave, right, who's the he there? God gave. So a pastor and every, the evangelist, the teachers, and uh, these are all gifts from God. And, um, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Here's our purpose, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, a pastor is given from the Lord, and a pastor's purpose is to bring order through maturity and unity to do the work of God. Uh, God calls a man, the church ordains the man or recognizes that calling, and then the Holy Spirit sets the man in the ministry where uh, he is to serve. And we see that pattern in Acts chapter 13 with Paul and Barnabas. And uh, you see that, uh, that God called them. The church recognized it and ordained them for that. And then the Holy Spirit sent them out. And the um, Lord called me to preach when I was 16 years old. And, um, and you say, did you become a pastor immediately? Nope, that would be a novice, which we'll talk about in just a second. Uh, but there's a lot of training and then a lot of mentoring and a lot of serving. And uh, then the church extended that call in 2004 uh, to be the pastor and, um, and have enjoyed the ride ever since. Uh, but the purpose is so that we can grow. And a, a pastor is to teach the people, lead the people, feed the people so that you mature. It's not my job to entertain, entertain everybody. I love having a good time like everybody else, but it's not what it's all about. Um, it's not my responsibility to make sure we have the nicest, you know, first class of everything. And we're, you know, uh, that's not my job. My responsibility, and I even throw this out there, might take this the wrong way, but it's not my biblical job to marry people. It's not. 
I'm glad to do it for church members and um, you know great primarily uh, people used to call all the time wanted me to do a, mar- a wedding like all the time I'm just like <laughs> no way uh, quit doing that and say why why would I ask God's blessing upon a unity when they're about to go out and do wicked things and I just can't and uh, so pretty much limited just our church members at least one of them uh, but but again, that's not a, there isn't a Bible verse that says thou shalt perform wedding ceremonies, right? Um, but I am to teach you. I am to preach the word of God, which is for the purpose of you perfecting or growing so that you can also go out and do the work of God. And um, if I preach and teach, you know, and no one has a desire to win souls and no one's going to go out and no one feels they have the ability to knock on the door and tell someone how to be saved and and no one wants to run a ministry because they're intimidated to get up and teach anybody else if you never see any of that the pastor's failing but we have great concerts that's not church which is why we don't have concerts uh, you know but uh, you know it the, the, the reality is this, which you don't, this is what, you know, it has thrilled my heart to watch Mrs. Daniels teach Sunday school for years. She was teaching when I got here, you know, fantastic, and uh, teaching in the basement, and uh, that was great. Uh, she taught my kids, and, uh, you know, it's been watching her teach, and, and now Jenna's starting to do some teaching and, um, in that class, and as a pastor, it's awesome. Because I remember when Jenna was born, you know. And I spent time teaching Jenna and talking to Jenna. And you see her grow up, and now you see her teaching Sunday school. That's awesome. And uh, because they're getting it, growing. And uh, seeing all these things. And, and it's about preparing and maturing and perfecting so that we can continue doing the work of God. Because when a church becomes all about personality and entertainment and concerts and big days, I'm not against big days, but that's all we ever do. And then it becomes a very emotional church and carnal church. And pretty soon, everything just falls apart because it's not deep and it's not real and then you're a generation away because none of the kids want to serve and pretty soon like I've seen over and over again and you know it happens too you praise the Lord for what the Bible calls you know the hoary head and and the silver hairs and, and praise the Lord for their experience and their years of service but if there's no young people learning and growing the church is doomed to die and so I'm very thankful for the health of our church and seeing young people wanting to serve and they have a walk with God and you know we men's camp out last one I was on I got up walked out of the tent and uh, there's Colby sitting under a tree reading his bible that was awesome you know a young man that wasn't being made to he wanted to talk to God and uh, that is what we're doing is building people and seeing more get saved and grow in the Lord. And, and so the pastor has to oversee these things, and that's his responsibility, his purpose. Then there's some qualifications. Um, there's a lot of these. 
Um, if you the references that I get these from, and I'm going to give you 23, and I'm not going to preach on them. Don't worry, I'm just going to give them to you. But I encourage you to read them. They're in First Timothy chapter three, verses one through seven. Titus chapter one, verse six through nine. And uh, and I'm going to give you these. So a pastor needs to meet these qualifications. And in the day that the church will need to find another pastor, um, you know, because I passed away and I'm no longer here, um, you know. Or the Lord moves, which my intention is to always be here, but I'm yielded to God, and whatever God wants, right? Um, I will follow the Lord, and that's the way everyone should be, right? Uh, you know, um, I just always, you know, it just doesn't line up with the Bible for me to get up and tell you, I'm going to be here till the day I day. I don't know that. I would love that, but I don't know that, right? Um, you know, I just our, our only job is the will of God is always a present reality in the Bible. So the will of God is for you to do right today. And the will of God for you right now is to be in church and to listen and to grow, right? And to go home tonight and give thanks and pray and, and, uh, and to do right. And uh, you say, what's God's will for me tomorrow? You may have plans and I have plans, but we'll find out tomorrow. Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And, uh, and so, we, you know, so in the event... You know, what are the qualifications? And I'm going to throw these at you real quick. Number one, the very first qualification is a desire. And a lot of people skip that one. But in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, it says if a man desire. If God didn't put the desire in your heart, if God hasn't called you, if God has not placed in you a burning to be, don't. Yeah, it starts with the desire. All right? Uh, that's the first qualification. And, uh, you know, so a desire. Number two, and I'm just getting these from 1 Timothy. I'll tell you when we switch over to Titus, right? Uh, but, you know, if you're glancing at your Bible in 1 Timothy 3, you can follow along. Uh, but a desire, then it must be blameless. Uh, blameless. Uh, that is faithful, and uh, it doesn't mean perfect. Or else you'd know there would be no church with any pastors, right? Um, you know, it doesn't mean that, but it means this, that you're not guilty. And you're not walking around guilty, you know. Um, you know, if I stole a Snickers bar from UDF and it was in a newspaper, I'm not blameless. That's a silly illustration, but I'm guilty, and I'm walking around. And when I get up, everyone thinks, "Whatever, you're a thief," and you lose that qualification being blameless. It isn't perfection; it is that you're faithful and you're not guilty. Right? Not blamable. I may make mistakes, but try not to, but get that right. But if I'm walking around with guilt and I refuse to get something right, I'm blame I'm blamable and I'm not qualified. Uh next, number three, the husband of one wife. Um a believe this with all my heart, that the scriptures teach that a pastor should not be divorced and remarried. Luke chapter sixteen and verse number eighteen makes it very clear. Uh, Jesus said it, that uh, if a man divorces and remarries, they've committed adultery. And he has committed adultery. The, the lady has committed adultery. And, um, and the fact is, is simply stated, if I've been divorced and remarried, how many wives have I had? I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out, right? And so the husband of one wife. And if I've been divorced and remarried, I now have been the husband of two wives. And I'm not saying that people that's been divorced can't serve the Lord. They can not saying they can't go on. Some of the greatest Sunday school teachers I had growing up were 
you know, person that was divorced but got their life right, and they just wanted to help people, all right? I'm all for that, but a pastor, and again, if you're like one to say, well, they shouldn't be teaching Sunday school. Well, you don't have any scripture for that? Just make sure you stick with the Bible on these things, right? Uh, you know, well, that's what I, well, it don't really matter what we think. What does the Bible say, right? Uh, but, uh, but, you know, the, the pastor, does that mean they can't get up at nursing home and share something? Absolutely, I want them to share something in a nursing home, right? I have no problem, right? But to fill the office of a pastor, they can't because they've had two wives, right? And so the husband of one wife. They must be vigilant, uh, that's an interesting word, uh, the word vigilant. A lot of people just want to say they're on guard, but if you look that word up, it's not what it means. And uh, some of you are probably like, eh, typing it in right now. Uh, but uh, the word vigilant means free from wine. That's what the word means. And, uh, uh, which obviously, if you're you know, drunk, you can't be on guard and guarding things. But the definition means free from wine. And, uh, and a uh, pastor should be free from wine. I'll just easily say that. Uh, should be free from wine. And, um, you know, if, if you ever see the pastor drunk, he shouldn't be the pastor anymore, right? Um, but uh, vigilant, free from wine, but able to guard and be on guard. Uh, uh, the fifth one is sober. That means controlling of their thoughts, controlling of their impulses. Uh, pastor's always, you know, his mind's going and can't control it and, but listen to me, one of the, and that's one thing you need to pray for your pastor about, right? And every pastor that you know, because the devil loves the pound of thoughts. Yeah. And so really pray for that. But a pastor needs, because if you're going to be a pastor, you've got to be able to control your thoughts because you're going to think a lot of things you shouldn't think. And I'm not talking about filthy things. I just mean I'm a loser. I'm not helping anyone. Um, you know, I'm a failure. No one really cares. Um, you know, that person made me mad. I want to punch him in the face. Uh, you know, things you shouldn't think. Uh, and you need to control that, right? And uh, be able to get control of that. And that's what sober-minded means, is in control of your thought life. Uh, then you have a good behavior. means a, a pastor. And by the way, everything I'm reading here, I am of the belief, and this is what our church has always stood for too, that these qualifications I'm reading are for Travis Burke and any other pastor that has been or will be a pastor at this church. Same qualifications are to be held to our missionaries because they are pastors of the church. And uh, so these qualifications, if they don't meet these qualifications, shouldn't be. Anyways, we'll go on. Uh, good behavior, it means they're a gentleman. Uh, they, in, gentlemen in their appearance, in their manners, in their actions. Uh, in their speech, but they know how to behave. Um, they, they, not just in the world, but in the church, and know how to have good church polity or order and, and direction, uh, but of good behavior. Uh, hospitality, um, that means friend to all. Um, not holding grudges, and I'm not talking to so-and-so. Well, you're wrong. You need to get that right. Um, but hosp hospitable, you welcome people. And it's, it's more than just saying, you know, having a rotation at your house and having people in. It's more than that. It's where we get the word hospital from. And the whole idea is that we're welcoming people into our life so that we can help them. And I know preachers that it seems like half their, they feel like half the things they need to do is bring people in just so they can throw them out. I wish I was kidding on that. But we're here to help people. Everyone that comes in our life, we're here to help them. Amen. And if we can't help them, you have no business being a pastor. So hosp hospitality. 
apt to teach. It means they need to have the ability to teach, but also a desire to teach. Um, but what that includes also, because I've been teaching in the school, and any teacher that ever teaches, no matter what you're teaching, uh, down from your teaching your kids to tie their shoes to algebra, right? You better have patience. Because if you're teaching something, that implies that they don't know it. I mean, that's simple, right? If you're teaching it, they don't know it. And so, you know, a pastor has to be apt to teach. And in other words, have the ability to teach, not just to get up and say, this is right, but also have the patience to help people learn. I mean, I can get up and tell my, you know, next year's algebra class how to do a quadratic equation. But if I just write the instructions on the board and say, all right, do it, it's going to be ugly. Right, Cody? Be ugly. Yeah, right? Johnny loves quadratic equations. So. Uh, but, uh, you know, there, you have to be patient. Some are going to get it. Some are going to struggle. But a teacher is patient and makes sure everyone gets it. So as a pastor, if you're going to be qualified, it's more than just having a talent to teach. It's that people are getting it. Because I've had people that's taught me in the past in school that they were really smart, and they were telling me everything right, but they didn't have an uh, ability to teach it. I only got one C. Ninth through 12th grade, I got one C on my report card. It's such a shame. And um, it was in algebra. Isn't it crazy? I love algebra. I teach algebra. I'm pretty good at algebra. But me and that teacher and everyone in the class got a C and a D and an F. And when I went home and said, but mom, dad, I like got the highest grade in the class. It's a C! You know, and we had to correct that. And um, I may know the Bible, but if I can't teach it to people, what's the point? I made all kinds of doctrinal words, but if I can't, you know. Someone said to me the other day, they were in a church service, not a church member, they were visiting, and they walked out and they said, I love hearing you preach. I was like, yay. And they said, because you put everything so simple on the bottom shelf. And I was just like, well, good. You know, I thought about it. And my first thought is, are you insulting me? And, you know, but, but, but then I thought, no, that's good. Yeah. You know, because yeah. if we don't understand it, what's the point, right? But apt to teach and then not given to wine. Uh, you say it's a repeat. Not really. Um, this means, again, what it says, not given, not around it. Um, in other words, you know, obviously I'm not to be drinking wine. That's pretty clear. I'm not to get drunk, and that's pretty clear too. Uh, but I shouldn't be sitting in a bar while everyone around me is drinking. That people can point at me and say, well, there you are, you know, you're partying with the rest of them. Oh, I'm just drinking Coke. No. You know, and, and you're going to ruin your testimony. If I'm laughing with everybody now, you know, people are standing in their front yard drinking. I'm not afraid to go up and tell them the gospel, all right? But I'm not hanging out with them and partying with them and, you know, just that I'm being given to this. Again, you're just like, well, well, it's the same thing with any other vice. I'm not going to go sit in some movie theater with some mature video showing. I'm just here to reach him. No. I'm not going to go on a dance floor. And, you know, I'm just here to reach him. No. You're not to be given to these things. You stay away from these things. Right? And so you have to be careful there. Um, and, and there's a lot of teachings we can go into with it, uh, about wine and strong drink and, and will a different time. Uh, not a striker. Uh, not a striker means a bruiser, contentious, looking for a fight. A 
abusive in their words and manners, violent. A pastor is disqualified if they're always looking for the next fight. That word contentious is pretty powerful too. You know, I don't always have to be right. And I may not be right. You you don't have to be right. Sometimes though, I'm just telling you, it's just because they're not to be a novice unless they be lifted up with pride. Because a pastor and missionary and evangelist and fill in the blank with all these that's filling these roles, all right, sometimes it's easy to get the attitude, well, pfft, I'm right. And that's one of the reasons why I like, I hold to the verse that there's safety in a multitude of counselors. And I'm thankful to be able to sit with men that have a walk with God and to bounce things off of them because um, I, there's safety there. And, um, you know, you say, have they ever disagreed with you? Yes. Have you ever been wrong? Yes. You know, now I'm not talking like doctrinal issues here, but, you know, here's the way I think we do it. And they're like, eh, because they know a whole lot more about this stuff than I do, right? You know, trust me, you don't want me hooking up the electric to the building, right? Um, it, it, you yield. I don't have to be right. And it's really important that you hear that. If you ever go into the ministry, that if you're someone who is always, no matter what they say, you want to play the devil's advocate, that's a pride issue. Um, if you're always looking for a fight, always looking to put down other people, a striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, uh, that means you're not doing this to get rich, uh, to make money. Um, you're not involved, what was it, Elias Keach, right? 1600s over in Pennsylvania. His daddy was a famous evangelist and preacher. And so Elias was a, he was a punk is what he was. He wasn't saved. And he came over to America from England and he, and he didn't have a job, but he had one of his dad's old Bibles and he found his dad's old sermon in it. So he started going around preaching it. And people are like, this is Brother, I forget his first name, but Brother Keech's son. Really key. And Elias started preaching everywhere in Pennsylvania, and he'd get a love offering. He's making a living, a lost man preaching his dad's sermons. <laughs> Until one day, it's just such a cool story. He's preaching in, uh, I forget the name of that, it starts with a P, but he's preaching there in Pennsylvania. And he, and he like, he's preaching his dad's sermon. All of a sudden, he falls to his knees and says, I'm lost. And he gets saved under his own preaching. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> uh, I love that story. Uh, but his dad, he being dead, yet speaketh. It was awesome. Uh, but, you know, he was just going around making money. It's not it. And if you're, and that's one of our great plagues today. So you pray for these guys that are starting to preach and going off to Bible college because they want to have an office and a nice building and a, and a, and a you know, seven-member staff. And, and, uh, and you just start wherever God tells you. It'll be okay. So not greedy, a filthy luger patient that's willing to let God work in his time pastoral work is a long term thing um, we can't come across as being harsh arrogant condescending you have to give time for people to grow and uh, you know I used to I, I, I struggled a little bit here I'd preach something i preach a sermon and uh, then see someone the next week doing the opposite, you know. And I'd be like, oh, 
But I had to learn. They have to grow. And I'm not compromising. I don't think we've compromised on our stands in any way, to my knowledge. But you've got to give a chance for people to grow in the Lord. And if you're just preaching something and they're not lining up and you kick them out, you're not being patient. You say, well, they messed up. We all do. Well, they're not exactly like me. That's okay. Give them time. Just keep teaching. Um, but patient. A br- not a brawler. In other words, they think that they're invincible. <laughs> they fight and argue and they're never wrong. And Not a brawler. Not covetous. They're content. Um, and that's a challenge because normally a pastor, because it's what you see the pattern in the Bible, it's just true, a pastor will have forsaken some things for the ministry. And they need to be okay with that. That they have forsaken certain things, but it's okay. I especially think of our missionaries. You know, there's certain events that they may miss out on because they're over on the field. And if they're not content, they're going to struggle with that. Um, So content, you have to learn that, not be covetous. Um, Rules their own house. Um, Again, their family needs to be with him. Uh, His wife needs to be right with him on everything. His children need to be being raised what is right. His children need to be not accused of riot or unruly. They need to be obeying. Um, And... um, but it's someone who rules their own house. And a pastor needs to be someone that deals with issues, not like was it Eli that did not restrain his sons. Uh, Samuel could be accused of that. Um, but a pastor needs to be someone who would do something. Um, but I will say, and I just make it clear, that it is rules his own house. There comes a point that your children leave, and you don't have that authority to oversee everything they do. And as a parent, if I try to do that, I'm overstepping my God-given I can't control every aspect of Grace's life. That's Koi's job now. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, you know, you, I just want you to keep that in mind. You say, well, they should all be perfect when they're 50. I wish that was the case. And I'm not compromising or staying what the Bible says. You say, well, if you taught them better, they would have done better. All right. Tell Jesus that with Judas. I'm just, I, I, I would take you, I'm not going to do this right now, but go to Deuteronomy chapter 21 and read the passage of scripture that says that if a father has taught his son right and a mother has taught her son right and they have chastened him and he has a rebellious heart, he's to be taken out and stoned and killed. Now, that would deter a lot of rebellion. We just, you know, all these rebels, we just go stone them. Uh, you know, um, but my point is saying is that the Bible says if you've taught them and you've chastened them and they still rebel. Now, you may not like that, but it's what it says. And uh, I praise the Lord, faithfulness that my children have. And uh, praise the Lord, Brother Elam sitting here for Sean and Josh and Matt Praise the Lord. Abigail sitting in the back. Praise the Lord. But I am not of the opinion that if Abigail goes off the deep end and God forbid, 
that Matthew goes off the deep end or that Grace goes off the deep end after they've been living on their own, that that disqualifies me. I don't think that because they, I can't control. I have no idea what they're listening to. I can tell them, and I can, I'm going to try to have a great influence in that after. And I've taught them better, I can tell you that. And I know Brother Harris has taught, and I know Brother Elam's taught. But Brother Harris has no idea what Abigail's doing tomorrow. And, uh, Matthew's, Matthew's still in the home, so that's all right. You've got a lot of more obligation there. Uh, but uh, but uh, Joshua, he doesn't, right? And uh, you say, well, I, well, I'll just go on time's sake, right? But it rules your own house. That's what the Bible says. And I've heard all kinds of preaching a hundred different ways, but what I have found is let's just stick with what the Bible says. Right. It's a good place to be. Uh, not a novice. That means they're not a new convert. Um, it has nothing to do with their age because Timothy was very young. Right. But it's their age. It's their maturity in the faith. Because if they're not mature in the faith, they will be lifted up with pride. And, uh, and so they can't be a novice. They need to be trained and have some experience uh, of good report, that means a reputation outside of them with the, which are without. That's your reputation outside. That's your integrity. That's what people uh, think and know about you. And, um, you know, if my old boss at Dunkin' Donut said I was a thief and I never came to work on time and I was the laziest guy that ever would work there, I am disqualified. If those things were true. Because I need to have a good report. You know. Pay my bills. I, you know, if I say I'm going to do something that, you know, the boss at B Marathon, whatever it's called now, and and I never come through. I'm always known as being a liar in Goshen. I shouldn't be pastoring. A good report. I'm going to Titus now for the last few. Not self-willed. That means you're not self-opinionated, selfish, self-indulging, self-loving. My way or the highway. Manipulative. That you just want everybody to do everything your way. Uh, it doesn't have to be done. As long as it doesn't contradict the word of God. It doesn't have to be done your way. I don't think there's nothing wrong with wearing a colored dress shirt. But if someone believes that you should only wear white dress shirts, okay. I'm not right and neither are they. There's no Bible verse on that. And then say, well, Brother Elam's wearing a black dress shirt. Well, so am I. That's because follows pastoral leadership right you know but but you know if i you can't you can't just have it my way and then guilt everyone i try not to preach out of guilt i hate guilt driven things god never works that way he'll preach the truth and the holy spirit will convict if you have to guilt someone into doing something it will never last so just present the truth but not self-willed uh a lover of good men who have good friends. They like being around godly people. Um, there's always, you got to keep in mind, you're always trying to reach others. So, you know, the Lord was accused, right? Sitting with sinners. Well, it's because that's who we're trying to reach. But he never compromised and participated in their sin, right? Uh, but, uh, but he is known for being around 12 good men, right? And, uh, and so we, we, a pastor should be a lover of good men. Just means they have good judgment, they can make good decisions, holy uh, in their lifestyle and in their choices, uh, temperate, uh, controlling of their appetites and their fleshly desires, uh, sound doctrine, 
uh, need to be well studied, skillful in use of the word of God, and know and have answers or are able to find answers. Um, all these qualifications, by the way, eliminate a woman from being a pastor because a woman cannot be the husband of a wife. I don't care what the world says. A woman is forbidden to teach men in the church. Uh, a woman is never to have authority over a man in the church. And so they can't be a pastor. That's pretty clear, pretty easy. Amen. I say that, but Southern Baptist Church is having this big revolt right now over women being pastors. It's a big vote coming up at their next big meeting. So That's sad, isn't it? Um, then what are the duties? Appreciate your patience. I'll just say these in close. A pastor is to lead. Uh, that's his job as an elder. Um, turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. You should be close if you're with me. Uh, but Hebrews chapter 13. And in verse number 7. It says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Um, the pastor is to lead. Uh, verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you. Uh, verse number 24, salute all them that have the rule over you. I mean, it's, it's implied here that uh, a pastor is, uh, has the rule. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and you should follow their faith um, and respect that office. Even if you disagree with something, respect the office. Um, but a leader, he's the lead. Uh, he does that by his preaching. I could break all these verses down, but in verse 7, his preaching should be something that helps lead. His living in verse number 7. His guarding, because he watches for your soul in verse 17. Uh, he, he's going to be accountable for your soul in verse number 17. Uh, and he should be given a respect and honor in verse number 24. But, uh, which we salute them means to receive them joyfully and wish them well. Uh, but again, a pastor does. You can't be a weak man. Right. The Bible says that Again, we already read it, 1 Peter 5, 2, taking the oversight. A pastor can't be afraid to lead. Um, it's necessary. And, um, but not being lords over God's heritage, 1 Peter 5, 3. Um, so they, they are to take the lead, but they're not a dictator. Um, but that's all about the practice and, and what they're supposed to do, and that's where they lead in these ministries. I don't have to do every ministry. Um, you know, I, I don't have... Anything to do with Kids of Palooza and what all's going on over there, but I know everything that's going on over there. You know, I, I know who's driving the vehicles. I know who was working on the routes. I know there was a program. I know there was a snack. I know. And uh, I didn't do anything over there, but it is my job to oversee it and to make sure it's done. I don't have to do it, but I'm overseeing it. Um, and so he leads in that way. He feeds. That's the second duty. Uh, Acts 20, verse 28, feed the flock of God the Lord's giving you. Um, that doesn't mean I'm supposed to make you pizza and grill out, all right? It means the word of God. And I should have something for you. And I take that most seriously. Um, a lot of time and study and research and prayer um, and just seeking the Lord for every message. Um, and um, because I want to give the church something to help them mature and grow and learn the word of God and the mind of God. Uh, but it's his job to feed. That's the preaching part of it. And then to heed, um, that is the uh, protecting. 
Um, a pastor is kind of a protective umbrella for the church. In what way? I mean this, that I'm watching. And I don't want you to be creeped out at that. <laughs> but uh, I watch over you. I stand here, you know, and I sing when the congregation's singing. And I'm watching. First thing I do when we start service, I see who's not here. Second thing I do is watch people sing. Because you can tell a lot in their heart. And they're singing in their eyes. Some are having a really rough time. I don't want to talk to them. Check on them this week. Um, tell spiritual temperature by our singing. And, uh, and we watch. And I watch your communication with other people. And I watch, you know, if you huff and walk out the back door and slam the door. I saw that. Uh, you know, I'm watching you. I'm, I'm watching your family. I'm watching for wolves. I'm watching for heresy. I'm watching for schisms, divisions. I'm watching for your souls. And because um, that's what the Bible says I am to do. That's right. And uh, you're getting in my business. Well, God told me to. Now, I don't care what car you drive, and I don't care what you had for dinner, except for Brother Rob. I like guessing what he has on Saturdays. But uh, he sends me in. It's a long story. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't. I don't your personal life, you know, and things like that, but God told me to watch for your souls. And if I see something that's going to hurt your family or hurt you or spiritually cause a decline in your life, I'll talk to you. And because um, there's a watching there. What should a church do? I'm done. I'm even shutting my Bible. A church should submit, Hebrews 13, 17. That means willingly place yourself under that authority that God's called. They should submit. There should be supplication. Remember them. Think about them. Pray for them. Call their name out to God. Uh, church should supply for a pastor. 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Timothy chapter 5. A church should want to take care of the needs of the pastor. And then a church should salute, because that's the term used in 1 Thessalonians 5.13, uh, but to esteem them very highly. And... Um, don't physically mean don't salute please um, but I mean this that there is a respect and uh, an honoring and uh, and that if there is something wrong come talk to him not go talk about him and um, and just uh, give that respect there so uh, but anyways we could go on but Pray for your pastor. Pray for his family. Uh, my daughter, Hope, sent me this meme today. And it was just about a guy rubbing his head going, oh, the agony. And it just says, the pastor's children, when you've sat through three services, and now there's three counselings going on, and you just want to eat, you know. It's true. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, everybody's gone and eating dinner, and we're still here at church, you know. But that's fine. But pray for your pastor and his family because the devil wants to destroy every pastor and their wife and their children. So pray for them. Let's pray. God, thank you, Lord, for this time together tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you for instruction. And Lord, I thank you, God, for the privilege of being able to be a pastor. Lord, I just want to do right and do my best. And I pray that, Lord, uh, Help us as a church to always see the pastor in a biblical view.
God, that you just help us in that always. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's please stand with our heads bowed. And